and I'm so delighted to see you here in the church and our uh, campus here on uh, Fifth Street worshiping with us this Sunday. And I know there is more of us that are united by the Holy Spirit in this body of Christ that worship online in their homes. So I greet all of you, and I do encourage all of you to let us know you're here. If you're in the sanctuary, there are uh, attendance pads on the sides of the pew. Please fill them in, pass them along to your neighbor. And if you're online, then use the tools of the platform that you're streaming our worship service from to let us know that you are with us, you're worshiping, you're following the order of the worship, you sing with us, you pray with us, you listen to God's word with all of us. We would like to know who is there with you. So please let us know. I have a couple of important dates and announcements I would like to share with you right now. On June 5th, at 9.30 a.m., we have Healthy Plate Discipleship Breakfast. Now, this is not a gathering of people who are concerned about their nutrition and healthy way of eating breakfasts. Um, healthy Plate Discipleship is a formula that we use to structure our day-to-day -day lives from one Sunday to the next, which includes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and all of the different areas of your life based on your faith. So worshiping on Sunday is just one element of what makes us disciples of Christ. Worshiping on Sunday is just one part of what it means to live as a disciple of Christ at your workplaces, in your families, in your communities. So we host this conversation several times a year with our leaders here in the church, and we talk about what are some tools, what are some ways that church can help you structure your everyday life, your relationships, your activities, everything on the basis, on the healthy foundation of your faith. If you are interested in participating in a conversation like this, then please RSVP to Lisa Helm, and she will provide you all of the information that you need. If what I just said doesn't mean anything to you, you don't know who Lisa Helm is, you missed the email address that was shown on the screens, then as you, as the worship service ends, just exit through the uh, sanctuary doors, turn left to the garden, and we have an on-ramp station there, and our volunteers and greeters there will help you get all of the details that you need. Again, it's Healthy Plate Discipleship Breakfast. It's not about healthy eating. It's about eat, living day-to-day -day life as a true disciple of Christ. Uh, our first street mission for this month is announcing a scavenger hunt for infant formula. Some of you may know that there is a shortage of infant formula in grocery stores, and a lot of families are struggling to find a um, way to provide nutrition for their little babies. Uh, so one of the important ministries that our first street mission does is help families in need with uh, diaper needs, with formula needs, and they're struggling as well. So if you're in a grocery store, if you see a formula on the shelf, and this is something that you at this point can afford, you can contribute, you can give to your church and to our mission here through that way, we encourage you to um, grab a few cans of the uh, infant formula, bring it to church with you next time. Our volunteers here will help you how to get it to uh, First Street Mission for donation. 
Now, Tim Brewster, our pastor Tim, I hope you are paying attention, Tim. He's sitting here on the first pew. Tim, there is a Sunday coming up, and I believe it's June 26. Did I get it right? Okay, very special Sunday, June 26. That will be the last Sunday that our pastor Tim Brewster is going to be with us in this worship space as a pastor. So we will have one combined worship service. We will all come together at 9.30. So you 11 o'clock people, you'll have to get up a little bit earlier. At 9.30, we will gather together here in this space. We will have a traditional style worship service, which is going to be great. But then after that, don't get ready to leave too early. We're going to have special celebrations going on all morning, and you will have a chance to uh, greet, to thank our Pastor Brewster for the ministry and for the incredible legacy that is, he's leaving for all of us. So June 26, 9.30 is the worship service and afterwards a special celebrations. And one more announcement. Look, they put a lot today for me to get through. I promise you this is the last one. Uh, some of you may know that uh, Aaron Epia uh, served as our Cornerstone Youth Choir Director for the past six years. With her family in mind, she has made a very difficult decision to uh, step down from this position, and we are very grateful for the years of service that Aaron put into our youth, into shaping and forming the choir, into blessing us here during the worship services many times during the year. Uh, with Cornerstone Youth Choir. So we wish Erin and her family well. We uh, pray for her. We are grateful to her. And now we need to know who is stepping up to take her place. And it is another person on staff. Did the picture appear? Here is the picture. I wonder who that is. Now, if you've been around First United Methodist Church for a while, you probably recognize the shoes. If you're a guest here, you may be wondering, what is this and who that is? That is our Mark Burroughs, our Mr. Mark. He's a children's minister. He's also director of the children's choir. And he will be also taking up the leadership of the Cornerstone Youth Choir. So, Mark is going to sing with all of the children starting from age kindergarten all the way to 12th grade, and we are looking forward, uh, he's going to start on, um, let's see, July 1st, and we look forward to see how this ministry is going to grow and flourish under Mark's leadership. And as I promised you, that was the last announcement. And now let's prepare our hearts for worship. Let's receive this prelude and quiet our souls.
After the call to worship, we will remain standing and we will sing together hymn 62, All Creatures of Our God and King. But now, please, will you stand up as you are able and join me in this call to worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
as a community of faith, together, every time we gather here, we affirm our faith together. Will you please join me now in our affirmation? We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Nancy Froman and I get the pleasure of working with Mr. Mark. He's busy across the street in the Justin, as we said earlier, with the youth, students, and choir. And so he asked me to do the children's moment today. And I get to work with the kids teaching academy class. I've taught um, creation care um, class for years now with the hamster. We've had different hamsters, and some of you, hi. Some of you have been in my class before. We have hermit crabs, hamster, fish, frogs, plants, things that we take care of. I've also had some of your students, some of your children or grandchildren in the preschool class with the sacred circle time where we sit on a blue blanket, have a Bible story, and pray together, and just have a good time together. So. Um, it must be pool season, right? I mean, today doesn't feel like you want to get in the swimming pool, right? <laughs> but I've already been swimming at least once this year, a couple weeks back when it was 98 degrees. I went to a friend's house, and so I have my towel. I pulled out of the closet, my goggles. Can't forget sunscreen, so I have that. I'm all ready to go when we're back to the 99-degree weather again, <laughs> ready for pool season. And our Bible lesson this morning is about a pool. It comes from the book of John, and it's a special pool. In fact, people thought it was a magical pool. I don't know of any magical pools, but in this Bible story, there was a pool of water, and people that were sick or blind or could not walk would sit around the pool and the story goes that they would wait until the water was swirling around, kind of like a hot tub. And when it did that, that was their sign to jump in the swimming pool, this little pool of water, and maybe they would be healed. So in our Bible story this morning, there was a man who could not walk. 
I don't know why, it doesn't say. But for 38 years, he had been waiting to be healed. And he sat by this pool of water. And every time the water would start stirring around, like the hot tub, swirling around, other people made it in there first. He couldn't get there because he couldn't walk. And he didn't have a friend that would help him lower him into this pool. So one day, Jesus was walking by. It was a holy day, and he happened to walk by this pool of water on his way to the temple. And the people were sitting around. He saw the man sitting there, and he asked him, he said, do you want to be healed? Well, that's a silly question, the man thought. Of course I want to be healed. I've been sitting here waiting for the water to stir, but I don't have a friend to help me in. Jesus said, get up and walk. And the man looked at him, stood up, and he was healed and he could walk without ever getting in that pool of water. So this is an interesting story um, to me. Um, Jesus wants to heal us. God wants to heal us, not only our bodies, but I think that what God wants to offer us is peace in our hearts and minds. We don't need a special pool of water. We don't need to say some special prayer. We don't need to travel to a special place. We don't need a, a rabbit's foot or a lucky charm or any of those things. All we have to do is pray. All we have to do is pray and ask God for peace. And God very much wants to give us peace and love. We don't need to do anything special or say any special words. I would forget them, or I wouldn't know where this special pool of water was. We don't need that. Jesus was telling us that all we need to do is to trust and to pray, and God will give us peace and healing in our hearts. So I'm very thankful for that. I don't know. I, I worry a lot. So I'm grateful for peace and love and healing. Let's have a prayer if we could. Loving and gracious God, we thank you that you want to heal our minds and our hearts and to give us peace. All we have to do is pray to you and you want to give us peace. We thank you for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, any of the children that want to go upstairs for the Sunday school hour, meet me at the door over here, please.
Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. I encourage you to open your Bible, whether you have a physical copy or you have an electronic copy that you follow, and read with me. Again, we are in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. After this, there was a Jewish festival, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, in the north city wall, is a pool with the Aramaic name Bethsaida. It had five covered porches, and a crowd of people who were sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed sat there. Sometimes an angel would come down to the pool and stir up the water. Then the first one going into the water after it had been stirred up was cured of any sickness. A certain man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, knowing that he had already been there a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? The sick man answered him, sir, I don't have anyone who can put me in the water when it is stirred up. When I'm trying to get to it, someone else has gotten in ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Immediately, the man was well, and he picked up his mat and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. God speaks to us through the reading of the scripture. Thanks be to God. There's a key part of the beautiful song that you sang beautifully. It talks about Jesus making us whole. And today we're continuing the series of what, of how God works in our lives. And we've been looking at aspects of that, and today it's healing. It's being made whole. And if you look at the King James Version, for example, that's how the question is posed, do you want to be made whole? We've heard the story told uh, by Reverend Nancy and again in the scripture reading of this man who for 38 years sat day after day after day staring at a large pool of water. The pool of Beth Zotha or Bethsaida or Bethesda, it depends on the translation you're reading, that pool was more than, it was larger than a football field in size. It had all these porticos, it was divided down the middle, it's kind of trapezoid shape. And there was this superstition uh, that if the water was troubled, the first person in would receive a healing. There were probably people who experienced that. They probably had that experience of getting into the water. Maybe their condition didn't involve not being able to walk as this poor man. And, and they would come out of the water and feel as though or perhaps they were healed. Um, maybe a placebo effect, who knows? But this is what they did. And this man for 38 years stared at the surface of the water. Can you imagine day after day after day? That's what his life consisted of for 38 years. And one day as he's staring at the water, once again, the same routine, you can imagine 
can't you? That, that he has memorized every crack in the plaster around the pool. He's memorized every face that comes day after day after day. And he stares at that pool, waiting, hoping. And then on this particular day, somebody is standing in the way. And I can imagine he was angry at first, who's blocking my view of the pool. And he looks up and this person is, is looking intently at him, and that is Jesus. He doesn't know it, but that's who's looking at him. And most people pass him by, they don't pay any attention to him, but this person is paying attention to him. And he wonders if this person might be able to help him get into the pool. And that's when Jesus asked that question that we've heard twice today. Do you want to get well, it said in our common English translation we heard a moment ago. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? And this is one of those times where I think uh, the King James Version and some other versions of Scripture really get at the meaning of the Greek a bit better. This, it, it, is, it is more than just being cured, but it is being made whole. In fact, 16 times in the Gospels when that word is used, it's often translated as salvation. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want the abundant life that Jesus came to offer? That's the question. And it's a strange question, isn't it? I mean, you can imagine that. What do you mean, do I want to be made whole? I've been sitting here 38 years staring at this pool. But Jesus asked that question more than just in this particular account, but in other places. Sometimes the question that Jesus asks is, what do you want me to do for you? It's those penetrating questions that Jesus often asks people that really would get at the heart of what is your need? What's going on in your life? Where are you in your life? Do you want to be made whole? And I think that question still comes to us today. Do you want to be made whole? And there are sort of subsets of that question, I believe, that we need to ask ourselves and we need to ask these questions regularly. What do I really need? What, what is the need that I have in my life? Um, and, and do I really need it? And then how do I get there? That first question, what is the need in my life? There is a need that we all share to be made whole. To be made whole. It's something that all of us need, this uh, sense of wholeness, this wholeness of life, this peace uh, of heart. And remember, the word also can be translated saved. Saved from sin and death. Saved from fear of the future. Uh, saved from whatever holds us captive. Whatever stands in the way of our relationship with God and with others. We all share that need. 
And so that second question is, do I really need that? Now, let me ask you to ponder that a bit. The Apostle Paul said, uh, there's none righteous, not one, the book of Romans. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. Yeah, we need it. And I ask you to think about that in these terms and ask yourself some, some questions. Do I, uh, do I hate? Do I think more highly of myself than I ought? Do I think, and this one is even more of a problem, do I think more lowly of myself than I ought? Is there someone of whom I am envious? Do I have prejudice in my heart toward other people who are different from myself in whatever way? Am I in fear of the future? Those are good questions to ask because all of those point to this need that we all have for wholeness. If you could answer yes to any of those questions, if you can identify that person that you hate or that group of people that you hate, do I judge others based on what they have or what they don't have or what they look like? All of those questions point to our need for Christ. So, so Jesus is standing at the pool of, uh, of Bethzotha, Beth, Bethsaida, and he is paying no attention whatever to the pool. You notice that? The pool has nothing whatsoever to do with Jesus, and he has nothing to do with that pool. He is focused on this person in front of him. That pool for that person represented something out there. If I can just get in that water, then everything will be all right. If I can just get from here to there, then everything will be fine. I think this story speaks to us on so many levels, and that's true of the Gospel of John. There are a lot of levels in the Gospel of John. And one of those levels is, is to ask ourselves, is that the way we're approaching life? You know, if I just could get things, you know, kind of fixed and in order and all that, somewhere out there, if I could just get there, then I could be made whole. Jesus is ignoring that body of water, and he looks at the man intently, and he says to him, get up and walk. Too often, uh, when someone is in need in this way, when someone is suffering in this way, when someone has perhaps brought misery on themselves in some way, too often our way of dealing with that is to say, well, he made his bed, let him lie in it. But Jesus never says that. Take up your bed and walk is what he always says. The man does. I'm sure to his shock and surprise, he didn't need the pool after all. He gets up and he walks. But there's that question, do you really want to be different? Do you really want to be made whole? Because that means change. That means a different 
way of being. For this man, it means new responsibilities, a, a, a whole new way of being in the world. It's just, it's, it's, it's a big change. Years ago, um, I went to a counselor because I was experiencing a lot of stress. And I've done that, and I highly recommend it. Through the years, see, seeing a counselor, somebody you can talk to and process with. And this particular psychologist, um, after I had shared you know, my stressors and what was going on with me, he asked me some questions. Do you exercise regularly? Are you eating right? Getting plenty of sleep? Do you have a day off? What do you do on your day off? And, uh, and he said, I think you know what you need to do. I didn't like that at all. <laughs> I mean, I'm paying you to tell me what to do. But what was he asking me? Do you really want to be made whole? Do you really want things to be different? Do you want things to be better? Because you have a role to play in that. You have a responsibility to play in that. What he was really saying to me is you're focused on all these external things that are causing you to stress, but what are you doing to make it better? You know, that's the interesting thing about this relationship with Christ in, in which we um, experience wholeness. It is a partnership. We have a role to play in that as well. Do you want to be made whole? So we have that, that other question. How do I get there? What, what, do I, what do I do about that? Well, it seems to me that our role to play in this is to confess. And that means to uh, acknowledge who we are and where we are in our lives and what's going on, who we really are and where we are. To confess. And to repent. That word repent doesn't mean just feeling sorry. In fact, it doesn't mean that at all. It means to turn around, change directions. It means to do something different. It means to turn toward God and to accept the amazing, powerful, transforming grace of God in Christ that makes us whole. And then to commit ourselves to growth and change, to, to uh, practicing the practices of discipleship, of following Jesus that make us grow in our faith. And then to get up and to live, to get up and to take action, to get up and to do what Christ calls us to do. Do you want to be made whole? Healing comes in a lot of forms. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes there's a cure. But healing comes in many other forms. Sometimes it is the healing of painful memories that hold us back. The healing of guilt that has morphed into shame. 
It's forgiveness received, forgiveness extended. Healing comes in the form of peace for a troubled mind and heart. From release, uh, for, it comes in the form of release from uh, the iron grip of addiction. Healing comes in a lot of forms. Do you want to be made whole? Healing is possible even when a cure is not. There was a bishop, a, a, a sort of a, well, he was a character, um, and he was a bishop in the early part of the 20th century. He was riding a train one day. His name was William Quayle. He was riding a train one day, and he was visiting with a group of businessmen, and they asked the question, well, what do you do? Um, what, what is your product line, one of them asked. And he responded, horizons. I'm sure they thought, what? Horizons? Horizons. Being able to look from the pool to another place. From where, whatever's going on, and the struggles we face to be able to look to a horizon where the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us, to quote Paul again. Jesus was in the horizons business too. So that last part of accepting this and, and living into this new life is, you know, getting up and, and acting and doing something. And sometimes our greatest sin is not really pride, but the opposite of that is, I suppose, kind of the opposite of that is sloth, thinking lower of ourself, not recognizing who God created us to be and the possibilities of our life and and living into that and uh, following Jesus as he calls us. Back in 1961, there was a gathering of youth, international gathering that was held up in uh, Michigan. And at that gathering, the young people came together and what they were focused on was the issue of what do I do with my life? How can I be a better follower of Jesus? What can I do to make the world a better place? And it was uh, the um, uh, premiere of a musical presentation called For Heaven's Sake, written by Helen Croner, that took place at that gathering. And I want to read to you some of the words that one of the characters sings with the question in mind, do, do you want to be made whole? And in being, making made whole, do you want to be different? Do you want to live in a different way as a follower of Jesus? As soon as I'm out of college and pay all the debts I've carried, as soon as I've done my army stint, as soon as I've gotten married, as soon as I get promoted, as soon as my house is built, as soon as my psychiatrist says I'm freed of guilt, 
As soon as I've paid the mortgage, as soon as my kids have grown, as soon as they finish college, as soon as they're on their own, I want you to use me, Lord. Use me, O Lord, but not just now. And then comes the concluding verse. <laughs> I like this line. As soon as I've reached retirement, as soon as they're getting ahead, as soon as I draw my pension, just as soon as I'm dead, I want you to use me, O oh Lord. Use me, O oh Lord, but not just now. Those words to that man, I think, are words to us as well. Get up and go to be God's people in the world. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving God, we thank you for your grace at work in our lives that you bring wholeness to us. We confess that um, sometimes we really don't want to be made whole. We don't want to change. We don't want to give up patterns that have become comfortable to us. Oh Lord, by the work of your Holy Spirit, give us open hearts and minds to receive newness of life and wholeness that you graciously give us in Jesus. We pray it in his name, the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. to come forward and prepare to receive our gifts and our offerings. This church is a generous church, and the testimony of our generosity and faithfulness is all around us. Just think of all the ministries that this church does here on campus and also outside in the community. A little bit earlier today, at 10 o'clock, we had a reconsecration of Wesley Hall. There was a great gathering, a lot of noise, a lot of people, kolaches were there, coffee was there. All that is exciting, and it's nice to stand in a new space that is beautiful, Air conditioning is working amazing. AV system is just, I mean, it's um, the latest ever. And it's all great and good. But what captured my attention was the prayer that we said as we reconsecrated the building. We prayed for the people, for the people that were standing there, but also for the people that will enter this body of Christ, this church, in that space and experience the transforming grace and love of Jesus Christ through all of us. All of this is possible because of our faithfulness and generosity. And so right now, will you please join me as we will pray and ask God to bless our gifts. 
loving and gracious God, I thank you for blessing us as a congregation, as a community. I thank you for the multiple gifts that you have given us and for the multiple, multiple ways in which we use all of our gifts for your service and for the growth of the kingdom of God. Please receive these gifts and bless those that give with joy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. First Church is a place where no one walks alone. So if you are a guest with us today, we are so grateful that you chose to worship with us. We have a gift for you. After the end of the worship service, if you will exit through the doors and turn left into our garden, you will see an on-ramp station. Our volunteer and greeter, Ryan, is there. He will be happy to meet you, to welcome you, and he has a gift for you. So I do encourage you to stop by the on-ramp. Also, if you've been in this church for a while and you have not found your place of belonging, you're looking for a place to connect for ministries, for opportunities, groups, classes, whatever question you may have about taking those next steps and becoming part of this community of faith, our volunteers on the on-ramp will be happy to provide you with all the information. 
We also never walk alone when we need prayer. So our congregational care minister right there by the banner in the corner is uh, going to be the here, available after the worship service to pray with anyone who needs a prayer. You may come, visit, and then you will receive a prayer from somebody who truly, truly cares. Thank you for your ministry. And now, Tim. Our gathering will soon be ended. Where will we go and what will we do? May grace, peace, hope, love, and joy forever accompany you. Amen.